You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Well, then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So without further ado, let's hit the road. It's episode 42 and part two of my Kilimanjaro, my six-day Kilimanjaro trek. So if you have not listened to part one, definitely do that before you start this one, please. It'll make a lot more sense. <laughs> Pick it up where we left off. Sorry, I left you on that cliffhanger. No pun intended. But um, boop. Okay, <laughs> so so it's day two hundred fifty-one. It is one in the morning. I am about to do the final ascent up Kilimanjaro. So there's about sixty people in Kibo Hut, and I was about the only person that slept. I was able to sleep from six to eleven p.m., which was great. And then you, they woke us up at midnight, and we had a little snack. And then got dressed, which I put on everything I owned. So I had, I think, about seven layers on top and four layers on the bottom and four pairs of socks, baseball hat, <laughs> napkin around my neck because my scarf, mittens, and I was good to go. Although I couldn't move and felt like the Michelin Man, so I didn't know. I had no idea how I was going to climb the actual summit of Kilimanjaro, the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. It's about 5,879 meters and close to 20,000 feet. And it's about minus 40 Celsius out as well. <laughs> it's freezing. So one o'clock, all 60 of us, we all like head out and you're either carrying a torch like flashlight or you have a head torch on. And it looks hilarious because there's just all these people and you're moving so slowly because it's you know you're very high up at this point it was 4770 meters where, where Kibo hut was the last hut we could stay at so we probably looked like this just gigantic swarm of fireflies because <laughs> it's pitch dark it's one in the morning set off so it was a little bit congested at the beginning and then my climbing partner well tiny group was my guy, De Desmond, and this Japanese guy, he didn't speak at all, let alone English. I did a six-day trek. Yeah, in five days, he really hadn't spoken yet, including his name. So I'd given him the nickname Mitsubishi because that was kind of the only Japanese name I knew. <laughs> I don't even know if it is Japanese. No offense was meant at all, but I had to call him something, right? I mean, it was basically just the two of us, and he didn't seem to mind at all. So I'm sorry if I offend anyone by saying that now it was meant with love it wasn't meant in any derogatory way at all we were able to walk a little bit quick and, and kind of get away from the group so it thinned out a bit so that was good and Desmond our guide was like okay you guys are in a good position now so just keep going and like I said you are just plodding along not to mention all the clothes on and my hiking boots were three sizes too big as well so I had four pairs of socks on so they would fit but I had just started forming blister upon blister this is day five of my six day trek well actually this is day six <laughs> I was just like oh no actually it's a super long day it felt like two days but yeah 
It's actually the sixth day. When you're walking up the summit, I mean, it's all loose rock and sandy and gravelly. It's hard because you take sometimes, you know, two steps forward and one step back. It was a literal meaning. <laughs> Plus, the closer you get to the top, there's all these huge boulders that you have to, like, literally climb over. Honestly, I felt like I was walking on the moon, or imagine that's what walking on the moon felt like, because it was just, you know, this slow plodding, and the air is just getting thinner and thinner, and like I said, it's minus 40 out, so just in that weather, it's super hard to breathe. It was hard, so to take my mind off of it, I just decided I was going to go through my whole trip again, like from day one Paris, and just think about all the amazing things I've done so far, because I've been on the road for, yeah, well, 251 days. <laughs> So just over eight months. Yeah, I had done so many amazing things and just felt so thankful and grateful that I'm on my way to Uhuru Peak because that was the goal, which is the very peak of Kelly. And it's the top of Africa, literally. Yeah, it was great. Took me mind off that. You know, I felt grateful I was still alive after I almost died in the truck accident in Ethiopia. Haven't heard that episode. Should check that one out too. It's also making me smile and laugh, just different memories. So it was, it was a good idea I had. <laughs> I'm glad I did it. Okay, the backdrop, the song Everybody Hurts, <laughs> that was playing on a nonstop loop. <laughs> if you don't know that song, go listen to it. It, it was exactly how I felt <laughs> the whole track up. So I'd also met this Danish guy, Niels. I think on my second day. So we had kind of trekked on and off together quite a bit and hung out at night times and stuff. And he'd lent me a bunch of clothes, like I was wearing his long johns, a sweatshirt and a, like a woolen button-up shirt as well and a pair of socks. So he was awesome. He was in his 50s and I was 23 at the time. So Mitsubishi and I kind of left him behind because he was, he was a lot slower. My mantra the whole time was Uhuru or bust, Uhuru or bust. <laughs> like I am getting to Uhuru. As well as that, poly poly sana sana, poly poly sana sana, which in Swahili means slowly, slowly, because <laughs> you had no choice. Keep going, just one step at a time. And definitely the last two to 300 meters was by far the hardest. And poor Mitsubishi, like he collapsed several times. And I'm just, I'm like, oh my God, you're all right. <laughs> my guy Desmond, he would just tell me, like, you keep going because if you stop, you just get too cold. And the colder you get, the harder to get going. He goes, I lo I'll look after Mitsubishi. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, I would just shout words of encouragement. It didn't matter if he didn't understand the words I was saying, but he knew the motive behind it. I think it helped him. One step at a time. Pole pole sana sana. And then we were about 75 meters from Stellar Point. At the time, it was called Gelman's Point, which is the top of the summit, but not Uhuru Peak. That's another like hour and a half walk from there. 75 meters from the top. I was struggling big time. It was like I said, it's just so hard to breathe. Kind of stopped and rested. Plus I'm like, I'm totally by myself because Desmond is behind me a little bit with Mitsubishi because they kept having to stop and help him. They were 10 meters below me. Mitsubishi was sitting on a boulder. And well, the next thing I know, Mitsubishi like faints. <laughs> He does a backflip off the boulder and this like slides down about, I don't know, 10 feet or so. Like, oh my God, are you all right, dude? And he kind of comes to and I'm just like worried about him, right? And Desmond helps him up. And then luckily dawn broke and the sun started coming up. And at first it was just this beautiful, just crazy red line across the horizon. And then just turned to different hues of reds and oranges. And then the sun popped up. And it was the most beautiful sunrise I had 
seen in my life, uh, even to this day. It was just amazing. And then the sun and the hues would reflect off the clouds because we're above about five, six, seven different cloud lines. So you just see all the different light refracting off the clouds. It was just incredible. And it was exactly what we both needed really at the time to give us that final push to get to the top. Kind of went back and grabbed Mitsubishi's hands. And I was like, we are going to Uhuru. (laughs) Let's do this, man. He had like a scarf, I couldn't see it, but his eyes, I could tell, like his little sparkle was back and he was ready to go and he did a little Buddhist prayer and had a moment to reflect and, and we both just looked at the sun. It, like I said, it was so beautiful. It was incredible and very inspiring. So we were ready to go after a couple of minutes. Yep. Off we went plodding along again and clambering over these boulders. That was the hardest part. Like just picking your body up and getting over these like six foot, eight foot, big, huge boulders. And I decided, okay, I'm not looking up anymore because the closer I got, the farther it seemed to go, (laughs) farther away. So I just decided I'm just going to keep my head down and just one step at a time. So I was about to step for another break. And then the corner of my eye, I see white glaciers to my right. I'm like, I look up. Well, I'm five meters from Stellar Point. I was like, oh my God, I did it. So got to the top so happy so happy and just you know kept watching the sun come up waited for Mitsubishi and um Desmond to get there and you know we high-fived <laughs> I'm so proud of both of us but I wasn't done yet I was like nope not done yet I gotta get to Uhuru so after a little break at Stellar Point we continue to Uhuru well this was actually the hardest point because you could see where you needed to get to again closer you got the farther it seemed to be <laughs> And now you're at 5,700 meters, and then Uhuru is 5,895 meters. So you're still going up almost 200 meters. Loads of glaciers, so you're still having to clamber over boulders, plus you're now having to dodge through and even climb over glacier ice. (laughs) It just added, but it was absolutely beautiful. And the whole crater was filled with snow. It was an amazing feeling, like I'm walking around the edge of extinct volcano. This is incredible. I'm at the highest point in Africa, almost. (laughs) Managed to get there. It took about an hour and a half to get to Huru Peak. And once I got there and saw the sign, I almost started crying. Like I I was just so, so happy. I went up and literally kissed the sign (laughs) and then just went and found a quiet place and sat down, just reflected. I just couldn't believe that I'd actually did it. Like I had a goal and I accomplished it, persistent and stubborn when I need to be. (laughs) But to be able to do it with like chronic illness and not let that stop me, I was, I don't think I've ever been more proud of an accomplishment in my life, even to this day. It was just an amazing, amazing feeling. And the view, it was incredible because the clouds had all gone. And so it was just crystal clear blue sky. The sun's still coming up. And I could see 360 degrees of Africa, you know. I could even see Mount Kenya, which is about 500 miles away. (laughs) So that gives you an idea of the views. Yeah, it was an incredible feeling to be at the peak of Africa. They call it the rooftop of Africa. It was amazing. I'll never, ever, ever forget that day. And it was 8.05 in the morning on September 24th, 1993. That's the day I'll never forget. So we just stayed up there for about 10 or 15 minutes. It's super cold, so you can't stop too long. Yeah, I went and gave Mitsubishi a high five and a hug, and I was so proud of him as well. And, you know, he had, like, tears, although your tears just freeze. So he 
had little icicles coming out of his eyes. <laughs> Desmond was awesome, my God. We headed back. It's another hour and a half to get back to Stellar Point. And then on our way back, we bumped into Niels. And I'm like, oh my God, Niels, you're almost there. Like probably an hour from Hero Peak. Proud of him as well. And he was like, I am exhausted. I don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> I really don't. And I'm like, you can do it, man. You can do it. Just take your time. See you down at uh, Thrombo Hut. Just keep doing it. Trust me, it's worth it. So bless him. He went off and continued. So uh, we had a little break at Gilman, or sorry, Stellar's Point before we decided back down to Kibo Hut, probably around 9.30 in the morning. We left at 1, remember? <laughs> Managed to take a layer off, which is great. So I think I took my big jacket off and my ski pants because with the sun, it was a little bit warmer. It was probably only about minus 20. <laughs> I'm Canadian, although I really don't like the cold at all. And then just before we headed down, like I just took in a last moment of just the feeling and really trying to memorize the views and everything of being up at the top of Kelly. And then we started down and going down. Wow, so much easier because <laughs> you basically almost like slalom ski down because of the loose rock and the scree. Very hard climbing up it, but going down, yeah, I, I just literally jumped like some skiing basically the whole way down to Kibo Hut. Although my legs and my feet were not happy with me at all because <laughs> by this point I've got blisters on top of blisters on my feet with those damn boots and my legs were screaming out in protest but it was a lot of fun actually. It was great. So got to Kibo Hut. Yeah I think it only probably took me about half an hour to get down. <laughs> so it took me yeah about six hours to get up it and just over half an hour to get down. Crazy. So we got to Kibo Hut around just after 10 and we had some biscuits and some tea. And then I was going to have a little nap before because we have to go all the way back down to Thrumba Hut. It's a long day. Uh, so I wanted to have a little nap before we did that. So I took off all my clothes except for my long johns and socks, got into my sleeping bag. Well, then Desmond comes in. He's like, no, we got to get down. He can rest at, at Thrumba Hut, but we got to we got to go. Because it's, it's not good to be in this altitude for so long. And so we got to get going. Got redressed. Not nearly as many layers, thankfully. And then packed up and then we left. And I basically just walked uh, Thrombo Hut by myself. And besides my feet killing me and my legs killing me. And well, it's my whole body. The pain started kicking in everywhere, basically. But still enjoying it. Still in a high. Just got to do it. And it was just really nice to just be walking by myself. Enjoying the beautiful, beautiful scenery. And taking it all in. So, yeah, it only took me about two and a half hours to get to Thrombo Huts. Again, much easier coming down than going up. <laughs> so I think I walked 12 hours in total that day. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Quite exhausted, but still exhilarated and just always happy to be able to get those boots off. And when we got to Thrombo Hut, I met the two Danish guys who I was supposed to, who Mitsubishi and I were supposed to climb with, but then they showed up really you know days late so bet them but they were really cool it would have been fun to climb with them actually and the texan couples were there was there steve and charlotte spoke to them and yeah they were so happy because they had made it to huru peak and then basically just had lunch and then i finally got to crash and have my well-deserved nap <laughs> then about 6 30 niels rolled in he made it in one piece bless him but he was oh my gosh I don't think exhausted covered what he was feeling. <laughs> so yeah, he was there about six hours after me. We all celebrated and Niels ended up buying me a celebratory beer after dinner. So I had that and then they went to bed about 7 p.m. and slept like the dead. 
the next morning I got up for sunrise again because, you know, it's going to be my last sunrise. And they're just absolutely beautiful. Then had breakfast and packed up and then went and said goodbye to Niels and gave him back all of his clothes that he had lent me. But he was like, no, you keep that sweatshirt because I basically wore it quite a lot. I'm sure it stunk. <laughs> I was filthy and stinky. Mind you, everyone is because you can't wash. Get a little bowl of water, usually maybe before breakfast and dinner, if you're lucky, twice. <laughs> and that's just to kind of wash your hands and face. That's it for the washing. So we all stunk. Didn't really matter. But I was filthy. Like I looked like I had the best time I ever had in my life, but most of it was dirt. <laughs> so he was like, no, keep the sweatshirt, which was really nice. It was probably worth about a hundred bucks back then. You know, it was Ralph Lauren polo shirts. I had it for years and years, actually, afterwards. It finally literally fell apart. <laughs> I gave him my postal stalled address in Harare, Zimbabwe. And he was going to send me doubles of the photos, all the photos he took, which turned out to be amazing, actually, as well. Because remember, this is 1993. No digital cameras, selfies, phones, nothing of that stuff. That high tech. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So the final descent, I could just wear it back into my t-shirt and shorts, which is always great. Walk by myself back to Madeira Hut. And again, walk, walking through all the beautiful vegetation, crazy kind of these cactus looking things. And then you come back into the start of the forested area. It's just amazing, just the vegetation uh, on Kili as well. And it took me about two and a half hours to get to Mandara Hut. So I had another little rest there, a little snack. And then it was the final part. I was finally, sadly, but also gladly, <laughs> my feet were anyways, leaving Kili. I have to tell you, this last two and a half hours, although it's through the beautiful forest, it felt like the longest because I just wanted to get there get off my feet return these boots well I could throw the boots in a river or something but turn those and just get them off my poor little feet because I literally had blisters on top of blisters and now it was ridiculous so just before noon I did I made it to the park's headquarters so happy and just what an amazing six days it was incredible actually I, I was so so glad I decided to climb Kelly because I hummed and hawed about it for for days before I, I finally booked it. And even though the booking experience was a nightmare, still well, well worth it. I'm very happy I did it. So I got back to the headquarters and picked up my passport because they hold your passport and my backpack that I left with the stuff I didn't bring to climb with. And then all my rental gear I gave back to them. And then I look up and lo and behold, who is it? Kennedy, my little tour organizer who totally cocked up everything. <laughs> And then he starts having a go at me. He's like, yeah, you owe me money for your boots and you owe money for the night's combination before you left and for the dinner and the breakfast. So you got to listen to the episode two episodes ago. I was like, are you crazy? You're the one that screwed that up. And you told me you're going to get all my hiking gear for $10. The boots weren't included in that $10. So and because you screwed up and we couldn't go trekking the day we're supposed to go, we had to stay a night accommodation so your brother told you know he was the one that paid for our night's accommodation because it was me and Mitsubishi not just me he bought us dinner and breakfast and he paid for the hiking boots so he did all this because you screwed up so there's no way I'm paying for it so I basically just told him piss off and walked off <laughs> so I went and picked up my certificate because you get a certificate if you make it to Deller Point or Uhuru Peak and of course I made it to both so I was super proud <laughs> but then I had to get 
back in the car with Kennedy and his brother. Oh, and I also tipped Desmond, obviously, very well, and the porters. But I had no money left. Like, that was all of my money, my tipping them. But because a part of my what I paid for, the $300, that included transport back to Moshi, which isn't far. I think it's only about 10 kilometers from Killy. But I had to get back in the car with Kennedy and his brother. And Kennedy's pissed. And so it was a little bit awkward, but I just didn't care. <laughs> I was not going to let him ruin how I was feeling. And then he dropped me off at called the Coffee Tree Hotel in Moshi, which looked really nice. And I managed to get a single room for about four, 1,450 Tanzanian shillings, which was about $3. So that was sweet. And I just could not wait to have a shower. Like, oh my gosh, it's been, like I said, seven because I haven't had a shower before I left. So seven or eight days. Yep. Smelling good. <laughs> but because I had no money, I had to go out and go to, to the bank. Well, of course, the banks are all closed. So I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. But luckily, I bumped into two, two really nice British girls. They mentioned swap me 20 US for shillings. So I had some shillings, which is great. And then they're like, oh, come back with us to the Y. And the Y there was like super posh and quite expensive. They had a pool and everything. I feel super embarrassed because I'm filthy, like <laughs> literally brown with dirt. And I know I smelled really quite bad. They didn't, didn't care, it seems. So I just chatted with them for a few hours. Plus, I'm exhausted. I've been walking for just ridiculous amount. I think the trek altogether, I walked about 90 kilometers in those six days. <laughs> Not to mention the altitude and everything. So I was like, listen, let's meet up for dinner at my hotel. There's a restaurant there at about 6.30 because I've got to go wash. So I'm like, okay, that's great. So I go back to the hotel. Of course, you know, like I said, looking forward to the shower. No, we don't have shower. We just have bucket showers. Oh, yeah, my favorites. But we will warm some water up for you. Give you we'll give you hot water. So that, that was something. So yeah, literally, you just get a bucket of water. <laughs> Kind of like a shower room. Usually they're concrete. The only water you got is in your bucket. And you get a little cup to throw the water on you. But listen, it was great. It was just so good to wash my hair, just get washed. Layers of dirt came off. So after that, met the girls at the restaurant about 6.30. Had some fish and chips. Well, I was with the Brits. <laughs> Why not? Which was really good, actually. And then it was about 9.30. And I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. I was like, okay, I got to crash, man. Well, just as I'm leaving, the two Danish guys I was supposed to climb with, and I'd met on the mountain on the way down, they were like, you can't leave. No, no way. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. They're like, no, no, no. Let, we're, gonna, we're buying you beer. Look, we bought you beer. You got to stay. Rounds and rounds of beers and then shots of rum <laughs> just to top it off. So I ended up staying there after midnight, and I was like, I'm going to fall asleep here right now. I got to go, but thanks for an awesome night. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but got to go. Finally hit my bed about 12 30 at night and was asleep in about one second so there you go part one and part two of my amazing six days on Killy. i highly highly recommend it so make sure you subscribe and tune in until next thursday i'm getting the train to dar salam and then i am going to for some much needed r and r in zanzibar and now it's time for tam's top tips and also, there's more tips on the last episode as well, Killy Part 1. So you might want to listen to that one first before this one, obviously. But if you already listened to this one this far, I don't know. You're going to have to go backwards, I guess. Anyway, so tip one is, I would say book locally, either in Arusha or Moshi. Those are the two closest towns. Arusha is about 80K from Killy, and Moshi is only about 10 kilometers. Because you'll just get a much better deal. And if you can't book locally, then 
at least book locally online. And she's trying to contact them directly, either via email or phone. So you know exactly what food you're going to get and, you know, what everything that's included. And you'll be able to probably negotiate them a bit too in price. As I said in the last episode, I met people, like I paid $300 for six days. And I met people that paid $3,000, Swiss people, they booked from Switzerland, <laughs> a Canadian lady who paid $1,250 for five days. Like I said, locally, it is definitely better if you can do that. Now, remember, this is 1993 prices too, okay? So tip number two is today's prices. Just for the permit of climbing Kili is $800 American. It's gone up quite a bit. <laughs> and then depending on how long you want to go for because now there's lots of different routes. So there's seven routes altogether. You can go anywhere from five to 10 days and also depending on how much luxury you want. Except for my route, it's all tents. So my route was the only one that has actual accommodation. But yeah, like you're climbing the same mountain. So it's really only food that's the luxury part of it. You're looking anywhere between $1,500 to $5,000 per person. I think that usually includes your permit, but double check on that. I'm pretty sure you have to go with the tour company. And I think the minimum is two people and the maximum is 12 people per group and there's a limit for how many people that can climb a day as well and personally i'd recommend to go for a minimum six days so you can get that extra day to acclimatize tip three is the seven different routes i did the moronga route which is 72 kilometers but because i did that extra day hike to uh, mwanzi yeah it worked out to be more like around 90 kilometers and you can do that five five or six days and then they say arguably say that the Lamasho route is the most beautiful, and that is 70 kilometers. You can do that between seven and eight days. The Machame route is apparently the most popular, and that's 62 kilometers, and you can do that between six and eight days. Then there's the Ronge route, which is 73 kilometers, and you can do that between six and seven days. And that's the only route that approaches the summit from the north. Then there's the Shira route, and that is the only route that approaches the summit from the west. And then there is the newest route, which is called the Northern Circuit. And that's apparently the easiest route as well, because it's the longest. So that's between nine and 10 days. And that covers 98 kilometers. <laughs> but you got nine or 10 days, so. And then Umbwe is the shortest, the steepest, and the hardest route. And that's 53 kilometers. You can do that between five and six days. So it really all depends like personally on what you want out of your track budget because obviously the more days you go the more expensive it is but also like how easy it is to get to Uhuru Peak not that any of it's easy <laughs> but there's different levels of difficulty and apparently like the one Mahange is the it's the hardest well it has the lowest rate of success of getting to Uhuru Peak I made it top 10 percent <laughs> You just kind of have to research a bit more and figure out what, what would work for you. Besides the one, the route I did, the Miranda route, you'll be given three-man tents, but only two people per tent. Four seasoned, obviously. <laughs> Although I don't think it's quite as cold up there as it was when I was there. And there's not nearly as much snow or ice. So people who say there's no climate change, yeah, right. See my photos and compare them to photos now of it. Like it was actually glaciers. I walked through glaciers to get there. And I don't think, I think there's just a little bit of snow now. It's very sad. My tip for solo female travelers is that you can go solo and they'll they'll just put you in a group. Like I said, maximum size is group of 12. So don't worry about that. I mean, I climbed it solo. Well, it was me, Mitsubishi, <laughs> Niels. <laughs> but technically, I climbed it solo. Bring biodegradable bags for your waste, human waste. <laughs> your own little 
doggy poop bags and as well altitudes can screw around with your periods so even if you're not due make sure you're prepared on that as well okay so i think that is a wrap for this week we'll catch you next week when we're going to beautiful zanzibar for some much deserved r and r and rest my poor little feet <laughs> oh and make sure check out the website maryrosetravel.com to alvin travel because i put up a free guide for you guys it's my 25 top travel budget tips so show you how i save money when i travel because as you know i am the queen of budget travel <laughs> All right, so take care and safe travels, one row at a time.